The word worship deals with our posture and the reflection of our heart. And then verse 23, but the hour is coming and now it's here. This is amazing. For 1600 years, they would worship at, at this location. And Jesus said, but now the hour is here. They went from a place to worship to now a person of worship. Oh, this is incredible. You don't need to go here or there. The place and the, the person of Jesus Christ residing in the believer's heart. This is a place of true worship. Thank you for joining us here at Westside Christian Fellowship, located in Leona Valley, California, one hour north of Los Angeles. Today on Regaining Lost Ground, we hear the second part of a special message from Pastor Shane titled, Worship God in Spirit and Truth. Romans 12, 1 through 2 tells us, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. In today's message, Pastor Shane urges us to fall on our knees to Christ, repent of besetting sin, and walk in the power of God's Holy Spirit, resting in His goodness and faithfulness. You can hear the whole message at Pastor Shane's YouTube and Rumble channels. Make sure to subscribe today. For more information, visit us online at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We also encourage you to hear more truth from Pastor Shane with the Idleman Unplugged weekly podcast. And now, from Westside Christian Fellowship in Leona Valley, California, here's Pastor Shane Eidelman. And as I often say, if you don't like what I'm saying, it's probably because you need to hear what I'm saying. The conviction of the Holy Spirit, don't ignore it. And she said, are you greater? Verse 12, are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself and his sons and his livestock. And she, she, she didn't even see what he was talking about. Well, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. And this is a good reminder that your faith is something that is, we can't see it as you're trusting in God. You say, Shane, what the spiritual hunger, I, I don't see it. You won't see it. It's not something you can grasp physically. It's an internal change of the heart. And then from that, there's that the passion, the desire for God. Those who worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And so Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him, he will never be thirsty. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. Now listen, either the scriptures are true, and there's a lot missing in the lives of many Christians, or the scriptures are not true, and deadness and barrenness is commonplace, and the Bible really doesn't speak to it. And of course, you know where my position is. Scriptures are inerrant, inspired, the truth of God's word, the absolute truth of God's word. Times change, truth does not. We often say it's our logo. But think about that. 
thirsty again. You will never be thirsty again. And sometimes people misunderstand. Shane, I'm, 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 I'm on fire for God. I'm, I'm loving God. I'm doing, but, but I'm going through a challenge. I'm going through this. And this isn't, doesn't mean you're going to live a perfect life. It just means the void has been filled. I'm no longer searching for it in alcohol or drugs or this or new age or the occult or witchcraft or Satanism. I'm no longer, I have found the living water and I will never thirst again. My direction is crystal clear. My savior died on that cross on Calvary. He is my rock. He sustains me. He anchors me. He is the only hope in this world that has gone chaotic. God's sovereignty is my sanity. And that's living water. That's the living water. You will never thirst again. Once you, once you have that, that, that power of the Holy Spirit in your life, there's a love for God. I'm not, thir- I'm not going to go find and look for anything else. That's why the enemy pulls you away from God. He pulls you away from that fountain of living water. He, he, he pulls you away from that. And the old Shane Eidelman knocks at the door. Does your old nature ever call you back? Oh, remember those good times? Why don't you show me the bad times? He presents the bait, and then you take the bait, and then the hook has got you. That third, he, what I believe the enemy wants to do in the lives of most, most, most Christians is give them a certificate of non-operation. Anybody work at the DMV? Hey, I need to go get a certificate of non-operation. My car is going to be sitting in the driveway for the next couple of years, doing nothing, taking no one anywhere, no family life inside of it, nothing. And so if a believer, if he could just knock me out, I will not witness for him. I will not live for him. I will not pursue him. I will become critical and I will just live this life Absent of the fullness of the Spirit. That's why there's a hunger and a thirst. But praise God, God doesn't say, you know what? In a couple months from now, as long as you follow this checklist, one thing can happen this morning. I'm going to talk about and give you one word, the most controversial word right now in the churches of America. It's why popular pulpits will not, they will not talk, they won't even touch this word. You ready for it? Starts with an R. Repentance repentance. I'm changing my mind and now I'm changing my direction. I was walking away from Christ, but today I'm leaving here with a renewed passion. Oh God, give me that fire. Give me that zeal. I'm repenting and I'm turning back to you and the fire of God could come upon your life again. That's why that famous hymn, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, uh, but now I see John Newton, slave trader. And of course, we look at John 7, 38. Whoever believes in me. This is so important. I don't know if you can see it up there. Whoever believes in me. Here's the key. As the Scripture has said, thank God they have that. Because I mean, oh, I believe, I believe in, yeah, I think Jesus is a good teacher. I believe in God. I mean, isn't he everywhere and in the trees? And I believe that. No, as the scripture has said, 
If you believe in me, what does the scripture say? I, the, the repentance must take place. We must see Jesus as savior, as the Lord of our life, not just a, a good teacher, not just a, a butler that gets us what we want. Not God is not a cosmic ball of love. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we believe on him as the scripture has said. And then as a result, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Life-sustaining, life-giving, life-altering, life-shaping water. And I think, I mean, I get labeled this a lot. You know, Shane, you're just too extreme. You're too emotional. I'm not emotional. You're just emotional. Well, you express anger real well. Is anger not an emotion? You got pretty excited Super Bowl Sunday. Shouldn't we have an intense passion and desire for God? And as I tell people, I mean, some of you have never heard me, so I, you know, some of this stuff will be repetitive to our audience. But by nature, I'm conservative. I don't like when God busts my emotional bubble and I begin to cry or weep before preaching or during sermons. I've got my MacArthur study Bible. But when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you and Christ is an all-consuming passion and desire in your life, you will have a passion and a desire. And the irony is when people say this, well, that's just too extreme. That's just this or that. You're... That actually resembles the early church. We have died so much spiritually that now what we call, we call what is extreme, what the early church called normal. Normal Christianity is now called extreme. Don't get, don't be a holy roller. Don't get too out there, brother. I don't know what that means, but I want to, I want all of God, the fullness of the Spirit. How do many people Live a life today void of the passion of God in their life, the purpose, the filling of, of the Spirit. In these dire times, and then the woman said, verse 15, oh, she's ready now. Oh, sir, give me this water. Give me this water. Man, I love her heart. I love her heart. Because as a pastor, I see this a lot. You know, this happens. I'll, I'll give a message like this and people will come up and we're going to have prayer afterwards. I would love to pray for you. Even if I have to go into the next service praying for people, I believe in the power of the prayer. I believe that the, the prayer can change the course of our nation and the course of our state. Governor Newsom does not have the final authority. God and God alone has the final authority. We are to pray for our leaders and love them and cherish them. But what does God say? What does God say? But people come up and they'll say, oh, I need that. Just like the woman, just like her. I need that living water. Would you pray for me? I'm dry. I'm dead. I'm stagnant. Would you pray for me? And then when she leaves, here comes judgmental Jerry. You know, I've been a Christian for 30 years. And um, I just don't know about what you had to say. I go to church when I can't. Excuses. Blah, blah, Charlie Brown. 
Listen, I don't know how else to preach other than to be direct. I'm not seeker-sensitive. Because sometimes we need to wake us up to, to, to take action. Judgmental Jerry needs to repent. Excuses, excuses, excuses. Get rid of the excuses this morning and say, Jesus, give me that living water of which I will never thirst again. This is depression is killing me. This anxiety, this fear, this, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm caught in these addictions. Oh Christ, would you set me free? I'm coming back to the Father. Anybody ever ate with the pigs? You can relate to the prodigal. Waking up in your vomit. Making terrible decisions. Many of us should be dead by now. But the grace of God. Oh, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I love, I thank God for the grace of God. It's grace that's brought me here thus far. It'll be grace that takes me home. But did you know that the grace of God has to be balanced with the truth of God? Either one of those will tilt you in an unhealthy direction. They call this easy grace. And hey, I can just keep doing what I'm doing. God's grace, man, I don't care. No, that's, 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 you're actually abusing grace and taking advantage of it. Or this side, all truth. You know the all truth guys? Right? Ah, it's just the truth. Just the truth. They beat you up with the truth. Ah, I, 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 I saw you sinned last night. I'm going to put on my sin sniffer badge. <laughs> I'm going to walk around and, and I'm just a truth guy. So you have to have both of those. Spirit and truth. The fruit of the Spirit. There was a desperation in her. Sir, give me this water. Give me this water that I will never be thirsty again. But let me give you a warning here. Sometimes we can be so thirsty that will consume anything. So thirsty will consume anything. Be careful spiritually. It has to be underneath the filter of God's Word, the discernment of God's Word. Everything has to filter through that. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. Jesus answered him, I have no husband. I'm sorry, the woman answered him. I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband for you have had five husbands. I just, just realized Jesus, Jesus would often go to the broken, the humble, the lost. You have to see your need, folks. You have to see your need. And the one you have now is not your husband. Jesus didn't avoid her. Oh, you're living together. I'm out here. He met her where she was at. Grace and truth, remember? Grace and go with them with the truth. You don't compromise the truth. The woman said, yeah. I'm not married, and I perceive that you are a prophet. Now, a couple things here ha happen here. Either it was a validation that he was somebody, obviously, a prophet, or he also could have been getting her ready for that wonderful word I just talked about. 
repentance. Because in order to really, if you really want to help people, really want to help people, you have to speak the truth in love. And sometimes we don't want to really avoid, we don't want to, man, that's going to hurt a little bit. Yeah, it's got to hurt a little bit. I, I have to step on toes so you move your foot. There, 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 there has to be a little bit of, 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 oh man, the Lord spoke truth to me. And now because of that, I need to repent. So that's what could be going on here. We're not exactly sure. And then verse 20, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. Okay, our, worship, our fathers worshiped on this mount, mountain, but you say, Jesus, that Jerusalem is the place we ought to worship. Jesus said, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is of the Jews. All right, guys, guess what? This is where the worship wars began. You know what the worship wars are? Okay, well, I'll tell you. As a pastor, it's one of the hardest things is to balance worship because you have the old hymns, you know, that many of us love. And, uh, you know, remember that sawdust trail? I remember Billy Graham walking that sawdust trail on the organs and Amazing Grace and and all the, the famous hymns, How Great Thou Art. And, and that's when you come to the Lord with those and, and they are, they are your spiritual life. That, that's, that's, oh, that's, man, that's mine. But then there's other stuff. If you just come to the Lord singing contemporary and you put on these songs that draw you into the Lord and, oh, I just love this. I can't really relate to, to the organ and hymnals. And this guy says this, I can't really relate to the, you know, the, man, that's a little loud. Where's it, you know, the, the theological grounding and, 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 and so the worship wars. So let me help you with this. Very easy. Don't judge people based on preference. Don't judge people based on preference. We all prefer certain things. Now, if the worship is theologically not good and maybe a little too you know, it's over the top, then yeah, the elders have to bring that in to what, what would be a biblical model for this type of church. The word worship deals with our posture our, and the reflection of our heart. And then verse 23, but the hour is coming, Jesus is saying here, but the hour is coming and now it's here. This is amazing. For 1,600 years, they would worship at, at this location. And Jesus said, but now the hour is here. They went from a place to worship to now a person of worship. Oh, this is incredible. You don't need to go here or there. The place and the, the person of Jesus Christ residing in the believer's heart, this is a place of true worship. And he said, this is when true worshipers True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Only took me 28 minutes to get here. For the Father is seeking, the God the Father is looking for people to worship Him. Is that amazing? And those who worship Him, they must worship Him in spirit and in truth. 
what does it mean to worship God in spirit? I think we've got a, a quote up there from Sam Storms. He's going to be on my podcast hopefully next month. We're going to talk about end times theology. Um, and I think you might even have the article or not. It might be out on the table that he wrote. I got permission from him. He said this, to say that we must worship God in spirit means that it must originate from within. See, true worship is not this. Or even this. Or whatever your posture is. True worship is from within, from the heart. It must be sincere, motivated by love for God and gratitude. Worship cannot be mechanical or formalistic. Have you ever heard the term going through the motions? That's not genuine, heartfelt, spirit-led worship. This type of worship is heartfelt. It's real. It's genuine. It's true. It's a sincere pursuit of God. And I've noticed over the years also when it comes to worship, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, again, kind of conservative. So I'm, I don't, I mean, but I, but I see people sometimes they're more expressive than I like. Like, hey, settle down. Oh, pastor, I just got my report that my cancer is gone. Oh, pardon me, worship. You see? Why are you weeping? What's, come on, it's, it's a little distracting. My marriage is being restored. Hey, 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 don't get too carried away. What, can you, can you go to the prayer room with some of that? I haven't touched crystal myth in 30 days. I've never done this. I can see my kids now. Be careful. Just because we don't express it doesn't mean God isn't working in their hearts. But that doesn't mean ex expressive worship is biblical either. Why? Because it's within. What's God doing within the heart? Rigid, formal, mechanical. Worship should not be a duty. It needs to be a delight. And this is actually why it's an important point. This is why many cults, you know what a cult is, why they look the same no matter where you go. You go to this place in Nebraska, you go to this place in Oklahoma, you come, the same thing, same exact thing. Mechanical, rigid. And I just had this complaint leveled against me by, I won't say the, 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 the belief of this person. Look at all those denominations. You can't be a real church. And the Christian church. Well, number one, I, I tend to agree that the body of Christ is one body. But God allows within that differences where things will Lutheran, what Lutheran taught, Calvinist, Presbyterian, Wesley, Methodist. It's going to be, going to be a little hard for the Reformed to worship with the charismatic. So God, different denominations. And there's a healthy, vibrant, living church. It's going to look different. My services look a lot different. After this service, our altar is full. People are crying out to God. Our service might flow into the next service. But then I go other places. There's passionate people doing different other things. See, that's, it's a living, growing, organic expression of worship from within what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's calling, wake up, child. 
been listening to Regaining Lost Ground with Pastor Shane Eidelman. You can find more information at westsidechristianfellowship.org. That's westsidechristianfellowship.org. And for all the latest on what God is doing with His ministry here, please be sure to follow us on most social media platforms. Westside Christian Fellowship is located 60 miles north of Los Angeles in Leona Valley, California. Thank you again for listening to today's message of Regaining Lost Ground, where we are reminded daily, times change, truth does not. Regaining Lost Ground is sponsored by the generous supporters of the ministries of Westside Christian Fellowship.